Hey there, Multi-Amory listeners. It's Dedeker, and I just want to announce that I just did a big update to my online course, Building a Solid Foundation for Non-Monogamy. I've added more exercises, more journal prompts, and more discussion questions to tackle with a partner. And I'm also running a summer sale where you can access the course for a discount. So for a little bit of backstory, last year I launched this online course. I created it because over my many, many years of working with clients, I noticed this pattern where Many people would come to me already knowledgeable about non-monogamy. They've listened to countless multi-amory episodes, they've devoured all the books, they follow all the Instagram and TikTok meme accounts, and yet they still hit these snags in their relationships. They still feel misunderstood by their partners. So I thought it was about time to bring some evidence-based and research-backed practices into the mix to help people create a solid starting ground for their relationship as they journey into non-monogamy. So if you head over to dedekerwinston.com course, you can preview the intro to the course and you can see if this is a right fit for you. Go to dedekerwinston.com course and use promo code MULTI20 at checkout to get a 20% discount. If you are a Multi-Amory Patreon subscriber, you will get a special code for a bigger discount. So go to patreon.com slash multiamory to get that discount code. And remember, if you are in financial need, please don't hesitate to reach out to me directly at dedeker at multiamory.com and you can literally name your price. I'm serious. You can name your price at a dollar and you don't even have to give me a reason why. In fact, I'd prefer you didn't even give me a reason why because... We really believe in how important it is that there's an abundance of relationship resources that are available and accessible. Again, go to dedekerwinston.com slash course, promo code MULTI20, or reach out to me directly at dedeker at multiamory.com and name your price. The way that we value work or play or work-life balance in general and having a partner who shares some of those values or at least understands us and can respect us even when we're different is really, really huge for a partnership to continue. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are continuing our goal of being the least romantic relationship podcast in the world by talking about business. <laughs> I didn't hold I think- on, I need to pause you right there because I didn't realize that was our goal. I think you mean like sex, sexy time, least Maybe sexy least time sexy. podcast. Yeah. Although, I mean, are we romantic? I, do, mm. we, do we like, well, not, I guess not seducing, but do we like woo the listener? If communication mm. is romantic, then yes, we're wooing you with our communication skills. I guess, yeah, for all you out there who are in these non-traditional relationships and where good communication does actually turn you on, which is very much okay. myself, then yeah. yes, it's the most romantic, erotic podcast you could possibly <laughs> be listening to there you go. in this there day and go. age. I love that. So, so yes, I mean, we're, you know, we love talking about things like research studies and communication and, you know, not the most traditionally romantic things, even though, yes, as Dedeker says, for us and for many others, that probably actually is so hot. 
And so, so, <laughs> so for this episode, we're kind of continuing on that theme. So originally, I started looking into this topic for us today, specifically about special concerns for starting a business or going into business with a partner. But in looking into it and looking at what kind of research there is, what people are writing about business partnerships, things like that, this theme just started showing up of, for one, it's a lot of the same kinds of stuff, just kind of approaching it from a slightly different angle. It's a lot of the same kinds of things we talk about on this show. But then also, there are some things that show up that I actually feel like we could learn from the way people talk about business relationships and business communication, that we could learn from those and apply them in romantic relationships and possibly some the other way. Because as it turns out, human relationships are still relationships at the end of the day. Go figure. Whatever kind of human relationship you're in, even if it's not romantic, it's still a relationship. Yeah. I'm really glad that we're doing this because I think we have a unique perspective on this. We've been able to like keep our business together for going on, what, seven years? Mm-hmm. Almost seven years? Yeah. It's pretty impressive. It through so transitions in our relationships mm-hmm. with each other, living different places, just changing as people, many, changing many different as a places. Yeah, the pandemic. Yes, yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. Working totally remotely. Yeah, all of that has been great. So, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how first. What are some examples of how business partnerships and romantic relationships can be similar? So, let's see. Family businesses that can sometimes be a little bit on the similar side to what happens in regular business relationships or regular romantic relationships? Well, I mean, family businesses are a perfect example of the blend, right? right? Yeah, Yeah. because you're, yeah, you know these people, you care about them, and yet if you're entering into a business with them or like I think you were born into this business even. Exactly, family businesses being like passed down over time and then all of a sudden, yeah, you find yourself like inheriting a business. That's a big thing. Also, things like running a home. So that's that can be like kind of a business endeavor when done with other people, with one or more other people. Yeah, I, I recently have been taking a course, uh, like a certification course in project management. And something that they talk about a lot in that course is just how the skills in project management specifically are ones that apply already in your life, that you've already been doing project management, whether you've been doing it mm. well or not, or, or what sort of scale, but anything like planning a trip, running a home, you know, especially if you're managing, you know, getting kids to school and back on time, as well as managing the home and your jobs and all of that, that all these things are essentially like business skills, just being applied in, a, in this more personal way at home. I mean, I think that that extends to the constant trope slash joke about polyamorous relationships where it's this constant extreme <laughs> schedule right. management mm, seems totally. to fall under that that it's the same thing that people have to do in business as well when you're managing multiple clients or multiple accounts or a billion different meetings or things like that yeah things like buying a home that entails a lot of different steps a lot of different people to go through banks stuff like that that also can be similar to running a business as well because of just how many like things you are juggling in the air if you are buying a home yeah i mean we didn't put this on our list for this section but even something like getting married 
mean, that does come oh, from yeah. a history that of also. business arrangements. You know, like it, it's business mm-hmm. is very much tied in with those things. Anytime you're having contracts and you're intertwining finances and and sort of essentially taking on the responsibility for each other's actions in a certain way, like you would if you were in business with someone. Yeah, and then finally working together and actually creating a business together when you are romantic partners or when you just decide to enter into a relationship with another person in that way, it is also almost like a marriage in ways because you are literally like signing contracts that are legal mm-hmm. to be together for, you know, an a indeterminate potentially amount of time. And that, yeah, I think, I mean... I don't have any other people in my life who I have contracts with other than the two of you. And I was trying to recall, when did we actually become an actual business? Do you remember that? Like on paperwork? Yeah. In 2000. <laughs> so when we actually decided to make that change, that shift between just like, we're three buddies slash partner slash former partners creating a podcast together to we're actually entering into this legally binding business together. I think that added like some more gravitas to the situation and it made, you know, just all of us have to really, I think, internally ask the question of like, okay, are we are we ready to do this? Are we ready to commit to something that is going to continue to grow and thrive, hopefully for the foreseeable future? And I think that's a lot. It, it, that's a lot more binding, and you have to like stay in it and be more committed to it than just like I'm making a podcast with my buds, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. For me, it definitely brought up a lot of questions, more philosophical questions about huh. how it's so interesting that we have these legal constructs that we apply to human relationships, and you know, human relationships are kind of squishy and unpredictable and go in all these different directions and versus like a legal contract that's very much expecting things to stay the same or yeah. unlo- or, or there's going to be consequences essentially and and yeah it, it it brings up a lot of those questions of needing to be really clear about i guess marrying those two things together of like how do we deal with the soft squishiness of human relationships that may change and someone may not want to be in the business or mm-hmm. there may be a falling out or there may be a financial shift how do we how do we marry that with essentially the legal and financial side of things? Yeah, this is kind of all in keeping with one of the tools that we have created and sort of managed into this new tool from Scrum, from the Agile Scrum business model, and that is Radar, which is our monthly relationship check-in meeting. And again, yeah, we started it by using the principles from Agile Scrum, which I know, Jace, you said that you've used a lot in your businesses. And so we kind of took the best parts of that. And then we tried to make it a little bit more caring and personal. And that's when we created our radar strategy, monthly check-in. It's it's thing. fun when you say, Jace, that you've used this in your businesses. It's, it's like, oh, sorry, like entrepreneur boy. I've used them at my jobs. <laughs> it makes it sound like I own like 10 businesses. Like you're a freaking yeah. like, monopolist over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry. Yes, your jobs, your jobs. Jace, quite. the secret Elon Musk of multi-amory. Ah, I mean, if anyone were, I wouldn't. Yeah, oh, I guess. I don't know how I feel about this, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. No, Dedeker actually is the the secret Elon Musk because she actually has a separate business than that's true. Than just ours. So my tiny go. business of one. <laughs> hey, still <laughs> there. You go. It's pretty impressive. But but yeah. So Emily, speaking of 
you know, that, that Radar came out of Agile Scrum, specifically the retrospective part of Agile Scrum. But as a fun note, Radar has come back around full circle. And we ha- have at a conference a few years ago ran into some people who ran a business together and they told us they use Radar as their business yeah. check-in. And I've also started using Radar as a structure for leading meetings at work. And so it's kind of, it came from business, got you know personalized to be a little more for romantic relationships. And then it's kind of come back around, sort of add that personal touch back into the business side of things. So anyway, it's all, it's all interconnected, you know? It really is. It's great. That's yeah. lovely. All right, let's talk about some some stits and stats here. We're gonna get we're gonna get into the 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 stats that no one wants to hear when they're starting a business. So these come from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and that's that twenty percent of small businesses fail in one year. And for this study, what they mean by fail is just that the business doesn't exist anymore. So th- that's a little bit of a weird measure because you don't necessarily know how that failed did were were people happy with that was it like okay cool yeah that did what we wanted to do and great we're done generally speaking though with businesses that's a fairly clear indication of well it's not around anymore so maybe it wasn't financially viable or maybe the partnership didn't work out so 20 percent fail in the first year within five years from starting a business 50 percent will have failed and after 10 years only a third of those businesses will still be around we still we got to get three more years in, everyone. <laughs> three more years. Yeah, <laughs> to get into Knock that. Knock on wood, goodness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But but the point here is just that a lot of businesses don't end up lasting terribly long, and hmm. I think it's kind of interesting to look at how does this relate to romantic relationships. So let's compare this to romantic relationships. So we're looking at a Stanford University study that was conducted between 2009 and 2012. And in the study, they surveyed people in relationships each year for a total of four years. Of the relationships that they studied that were less than two months old, 60% of those relationships were not together the following year. So it seems like we can glean from that that there's something about those very, very early stages of relationships where things are pretty hit or miss, which I think, based on people's lived experiences, seems like that checks out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They found that marriages that had been together for five years had an 8% breakup rate per year. So it's kind of like, yeah, on average, there was like an 8% chance that any given relationship would be broken up by the following year if they were in that, like, they'd been together about five years. Yeah. And then on the other extreme end, relationships that were more than 20 years old, less than 1% of those broke up during the four years of the study. Wow. Yeah. It. So what's tricky about this, and I, I ran into this when trying to find numbers to compare the two, is just that they're studied in very different ways, right? That business partnerships, there's kind of this clear, the business was filed at this date, does it still Mm. exist as a business entity? Versus romantic relationships where it's like, okay, generally, marriage is used kind of as the thing to measure because it, it does have that sort of clear on paper beginning and end. But it's not quite the same in that just I guess just the way we look at it, you know, how long had they been together before getting married? You know, there's just a lot of factors that it's harder to study. 
And I guess you could say the same about certain businesses. You know, maybe people were already doing these things independently and then joined together to make a business. But if we look at these numbers that are presented in very different ways, essentially, though, we do get this picture of the the early times, like kind of this first five years. A lot of them aren't going to make it past that. A lot of them are just going to end before that. And then of the ones that last, the longer you've lasted, the more likely it is you're going to keep lasting in, in both yeah, that's cases. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of makes sense, I think, if people are like, okay, this is working, let's keep it going. I mean, it would be strange. I, it, something catastrophic, I feel, would have to happen for us at this point to be like, never mind, we're done with each other. Again, knock on wood. We're going to be knocking on wood. Yes, sure. yes. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Knock we'll make in. sure that our editor edits out that in the background by just constant knocking <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> I think I, I did read somewhere, and, and I didn't have a chance to pull the actual statistics for this, so I'm kind of pulling this out of the air. But yeah, I feel like I remember reading somewhere that particularly with friendships once you've made it past six or seven years of being in friendship with someone, the chances that the friendship will end or peter out drops to very, very low. Hmm. That there's something about those first few years of friendship where maybe life circumstances may cause you to just not stay in touch anymore, right? Like we go hmm. through these yeah. periods of university being a transitional period or moving to a different town um, from where we grew up being a transitional period where we're likely to lose friends or lose touch with friends. But you know, once you reach that particular turning point, chances are you're going to probably stay friends for life or stay in touch for life. And I think that in my personal experience, that's been the case. But but it is interesting to look at like both business and romantic relationships and friendship relationships to see this this kind of turning point where the chances of quote unquote failure tend to decrease. Yeah. And something that unfortunately, there's just not a lot of research on is that question that we talk about a lot with romantic relationships of getting away from this idea that breakup means failure and that you might mm -hmm. end a relationship or at least end a relationship in one certain way, you know, a certain way of that, of that relationship looking, that might end and both of you feel great about it. And I did come across one article in this that did talk a little bit about when business partnerships fail or, or, you know, split up or separate, that there is also a percentage of those who look back and say, yeah, that was a successful partnership. It just kind of ran its course or we transitioned out or moved on to something else. So I guess for all of this, kind of keep that little grain of salt that, you know, that it's all looking at just the numbers doesn't quite give you all of the meaning. Yeah, I mean, you and I finish our romantic relationship, Jace, and yet we entered into a business relationship, which actually was probably more legally binding than the previous relationship that we were in. <laughs> See, that so, is the weird that's irony. That's ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing, the questions that came up for me when I entered into like the specific, you know, on paper business relationship with the three of you was that weird mm -hmm. thing of like so many people look at my relationships and think they're illegitimate. Because not only are they non-monogamous, but also they're unmarried or unentwined yeah. in that way. But then I've had this like business partnership that's entangled me in these particular ways. I don't know. It's just, it makes me want to be irate with people, essentially, <laughs> okay. is what I'm trying okay. to say. Got it. Okay. wasn't sure where you were going with that. All right. There it is. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into kind of the heart of this episode and sort of our thesis of what we're going for here with this business relationship stuff. So all of these things that we found 
were from a variety of sources, including Harvard Business Review, the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, Forbes Magazine, and Business Insider. So we looked at points in these articles, and then we also kind of put together our own personal experiences and relationships, our own experience having this three-business partnership that we've done, and we categorized all of this into the ABC of relationships. So these are three areas to examine and improve upon in order to have more solid, positive, and lasting relationships in a business or in your romantic life. This is just like the thesis of our show, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. same thing as always. <laughs> yeah, of course. But here we go. So ABC, it's going to be autonomy, balance, and communication. Of course. Let's do it. Let's get into it. So first things first, let's talk about autonomy, the darling of the non-monogamous community. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, of course, in a business relationship or romantic relationship, there needs to be a balance between autonomy, individual autonomy, and making decisions together as a team. So, of course, you don't need to think exactly the same as your partner, but if you can admire each other, respect each other, share an enthusiasm for the relationship, that's going to be a strength rather than a weakness. So we have a quote here from Leslie Smolin, who wrote an article for Business Insider. And Leslie has been in a design business partnership for over 40 years. And they say, quote, there's something about finding someone who continues to just intrigue you and interest you. And you look at them and say, wow, this person is amazingly talented. And I'm so privileged to be their other half. I love and that. I, I, it's like a, such an interesting sentiment that sounds on the one hand very, very romantic, but also can come up in a business context as well. That it's like something about having that admiration and respect almost for the other person's autonomy that can mm. help be the juice that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, that this was one of those things that in reading it, I was like, yeah, right. If you ever wanted to make the case that business partnerships and romantic partnerships have a lot in common in terms of what makes them successful, it's this line right here. Because she's talking about it very much just as a business partnership, but using phrases like the other half and wow, this person's amazingly talented, you know, just this kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even get that. Like when I read that quote, I assumed, oh, she must be in business with her romantic partner. No. And that's what she would say that about this person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That's lovely. And I think it's so true in relation to the two of you. Like, the fact that we all three of us have our own set individual skills that we're good at and that we kind of can lean on the others for. And that's such a lovely thing. And we are constantly, I hope, learning new things and also, you know, gaining new insights about ourselves and each other. The longer and we, we also have set individual autonomous things that we each do that annoy the hell out of each other at the same time. <laughs> I suppose but, you're right, but I was trying to be nice. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I think the positives outweigh the negatives for sure. Yeah, That's what makes sure. it work. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that then to go to the way that this is phrased in looking at business is about finding what are the things that you need to decide on together and what are the things that each of you could do individually and trust each other to make good choices for your business. And I think that when you think about that in romantic relationships, I know that for myself, at least, I've often struggled to feel like I can make a lot of autonomous choices without always having to check in with my partner about everything. Mm -hmm. But then also, we've probably all run into people who make all their autonomous choices and never check in. And so finding that balance between those and, and even maybe communicating about that more explicitly 
can be really useful for for finding that that balance of autonomy. Speaking of autonomy, this leads us to one of the questions that I found fascinating that came up in these articles, which is to ask yourself this question of, do I need this partnership at all? And in business, this is phrased more in the idea of before you go into an actual official business partnership with someone, evaluate, is a partnership the right type of relationship? Or is this more that one person wants to have this business and the other person could be a, a consultant or could help them out with it? Or maybe you know some other type of relationship besides equal business partners? Yeah, I've listened on various podcasts, people talking about their business partnerships and how they really want it to be that somebody like has 51% equity and the other person has 49. So that like somebody always, I guess, has the more, the higher decision-making process or something as like opposed to a little bit more of the engine. I guess. Yeah. It, that was an interesting thing to think about. And I'm like, well, that's not how we run our business, <laughs> Yeah, but there is more potentially of a push pull Again, like I wouldn't want to do a business with only two people. I think three in a lot of ways is the magic number because, yeah, if we need to gang up on someone, then we can. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally kidding, but, you know, (laughs) or if if one person needs to be the mediator, then they can also do that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's nice. Three feels like the magic number. Two seems really dicey, potentially. But... Two is much more common and and that's true tends to tends to be much more common and i and so I think that maybe that's worked out for us, and I don't know necessarily that that's a universal truth mm-hmm. but I think asking this question makes a lot of sense of really trying to simplify it and get real about do I actually want an equal business partnership with this person, or would it be better like would I actually really love having more decision making power and then mm. this other person can be the consultant can come in and be support occasionally. And whether that looks like one person owning more percentage of a business or not, or whether it looks like a totally different relationship, I, I think that is really important to ask. Yeah. yeah. Or even for yourself, maybe it's that I would actually be happier just working for this company and being an important part of it, but not necessarily owning a business. Like it Just all these questions come up. And then when we tie this to what does this look like in romantic relationships, it's that question of, is... X, whatever type of relationship we're talking about, is that actually the right partnership for us based on what we each want? And kind of learning how to be real honest with yourself about that of maybe a friends with benefits type of relationship actually is the best possible setup for us. But maybe we've, we like each other. And so we've thought, oh, well, I guess we should do this kind of partnership, whether that's monogamy or that maybe we should live together or Maybe just co-parenting. Right, right. Mm. There's just so many different ways it can look. And so it's not to just, you know, assume that it's we should it should always be this one type of partnership. And then the other thing that goes along with that is rushing in. And essentially what they talked about in a lot of these business articles was effectively NRE. It's just Mm. it's about too much too fast. Whether that's starting you know starting your business too fast without like really ironing out some of these things with someone or it's after you've started the business trying to rush 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 to make it into something bigger than it's ready to be yet 
And it's just hiring too many people at once. Uh, yeah, all, all sorts of things, right? Over committing yourself, getting into too much debt, mm-hmm. you know, like all these things that happen to businesses all the time. And it's just reading that was like, yeah, 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 samesies in romantic relationships, right? It's that <laughs> you can do yeah. all those things, either just getting into the relationship too fast or trying to like relationship escalator that relationship too fast or, you know, any number of things. Or signing something in the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Getting married after three months. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. That makes a lot of sense. And another really important of autonomy, both in business and romantic relationships, is determining do we have some sort of shared values or shared value system? And if we have shared values, that actually allows us to, I think, ironically, have more autonomy. It's kind of like what we were describing earlier, where it's like we don't have to have the same thought. We don't have to agree on everything at the same time, but we can have shared values, which makes it a little bit easier for when we do disagree or when we are running into some kind of conflict. So we've talked a lot about discovering, determining your own values. We recommend going back and listening to Multiamory episode 319, which was all about figuring out your values, both as an individual and together with your romantic partner. And it could be potentially together with a business partner or three or, or six or however many. <laughs> you like it you know it's these important questions of figuring out how do these things relate to each other specifically in the areas where you make decisions together or for each other i know from our personal experience with multi-amory we never really did a very specific values exercise or you know because we were just like a podcast whatever just kind of fell into it but over time, we have had like many, 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 many hours of conversations and many hours of figuring out things like mission statements and trying to get more clear on our values. And I know for myself, that has really helped in the times when we don't know what the hell to do about something or we're really split about what we should do in a particular situation or we run into some kind of disagreement around that, that having a sense of shared values really helps me, I know, to trust the two of you especially to know that like you're going to make decisions even if we don't have to necessarily like run them by each other 100% of the time but that you're going to make decisions based on like the shared value system that we have and i guess that also extends to my romantic relationships right that i have to have the sense of trust that my partner has my back that they're they're you know taking actions that are both in their interest and also in my best interest and they're also taking actions that uphold like the shared values that we have in our partnership and so that's why it's really important to be clear on those things is that then there can be more autonomy i don't need to be micromanaging every single decision that my partner makes or my partner doesn't have to be micromanaging every single decision that i want to make i do so appreciate trust the trust that the three of us i think have for each other cuz I was listening to a podcast recently talking about like the big, big CEOs of the tech industry right now and how so many of them don't really have people to rein them in very much. Mm. And I think that that's something that the three of us do so well is that if somebody is going off on a tangent or feeling really shitty that day or telling each other like, fuck this podcast, we're terrible or whatever then the other is able to rein that person in to a degree and be like, hey, let's come back down to earth. Let's figure this out together. Or maybe what can I do to make your life better in this moment? And I just appreciate so much that like, I have that level of respect and knowledge that the two of you will like be there for me and vice versa if we need it. 
Yeah. And if one of us goes into a power coma and starts becoming like super greedy, <laughs> yes. then the other two reign we the can do that too. Jace can't become the terrible Elon Musk of exactly. the non-monogamy podcast world. I thought we established they were talking about that Dedeker was the Elon, Elon Musk, Musk, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Well, it's a perfect analogy. I mean, I would be if I didn't have the two of you reigning me ah, in. Ah, there we go. Now, now, you, now yes. you see what's going on. There you go. Yeah. And, and I think that what's interesting about this question about values and how it relates to autonomy is that there's kind of two levels of values, right? On the one hand, there is just kind of having these shared sort of life values or just kind of ethical values, which while the three of us didn't sit down and spell those out when we started this, we had been doing the podcast together for a while and had, you know, did know that that's something that where we aligned for the most part, in just terms of how we think about ethics and how we think about behaviors. But then that combined with kind of those more concrete values, like Dedeker was talking about establishing things like a mission statement, or kind of like, what is your company's reason for being? And I think that's an interesting concept to bring into romantic relationships, too, is this blend of what are values we've explicitly agreed upon that maybe are good for us to remind ourselves of if we're having conflict or we're having trouble making decisions or we're feeling worried about something, we can check in on these kind of formalized values. But then it's also still really important to share kind of these more core values with each other as well. And if you don't share those, it's going to be a lot harder to make that relationship work out, whether it's business or or a romantic relationship. Absolutely. We're going to be moving on to talking about the B and C, talking about balance and communication. But before we do that, we're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors for this week's episode. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi 
to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So now we're going to talk about the B and our ABCs, and that is balance. So work-life balance, yikes, that's something that I'm not great at. I don't know about the two of you. Actually, I know I'm you not both are horrible at it. At it. Nope. <laughs> I know you both are not great at it. So <laughs> let's say... Uh, so we have a shared value of really poor work-life balance. <laughs> yeah. That equals success. I got to say, this is something that my partner, who also owns a business, is actually phenomenal at. And I really like look at him as the gold standard of this because he very much like turns it the hell off and will, is able to like sit down and play Dark Souls for, you know, three hours and not look at his phone. And it's very impressive. And I don't know how to do that because I'm working, you know, all the time. Just hearing you describe but, that filled me with anxiety. I know. Like, I know I'm like I know. sick to my Ditto. stomach just I know. thinking about it. I hear you. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't I even you. imagine a world where that exists. <laughs> I hear and you. listeners, please, please do not look to us for inspiration no, on this. Do... We recognize that this is a problem in all of our individual lives and yes. we're working on it, but we also kind of enable each other. To yes. a certain extent. Yes. Do what we say and not what we do, please. <laughs> because that that's better to have a good work-life balance. It's very important. So, okay. In work, if you have balance, this is a work-life balance. And that's like the ideal, hopefully. So you can ask yourself, how many hours do you expect you and your partner or you and your business partners or you and your romantic partner to spend on your business or on your work? I think this is something interesting to also talk about in romantic life, too, because I think my partner sometimes is like, why the fuck are you still working right now when I'm like chilling and having a good time at home and you're like still on? And I'm like, you don't understand. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And I think that what you're hitting on here, though, Emily, is a really interesting question of it's not just a question of balance in terms of what is your work-life balance, but it's with your business partners. Do you all roughly agree on what work-life yeah. balance is? So if you imagine if you were someone who's very much like five o'clock, no matter what, I'm off, not responding to anything, and you have a, other, totally. and you have a business partner who's like, no, we're starting a business, there's an expectation that we're we, going to be yeah. really dedicated to this, at least for a while, that if those are imbalanced and that's not clearly defined, that's going to rip apart that business partnership in a hurry. Yeah, I, I really, really agree. And I think that this is something that's challenging for a lot of people entering into a business together because some will feel like that super, super, I, I have such a huge work ethic and drive and so I'm going to constantly work. That means that everybody else should be doing that as well. Whereas some people are like, nah, I've got a work-life balance and I am going to turn off and that is what makes me fulfilled and happy is that I'm able to like do my own thing sometimes. So that's something to think about because I think that that can get jumbled pretty easily with this sort of like balance thing that we're talking about. So yeah, in, in romance, this can look like how much time are we expecting each other or ourselves to spend together versus maintaining separate relationships with friends, with family, with mentors, people that you care about, stuff like that. Because again, some people will have the expectation of, hey, I I want you to be with me 24-7 or most of the time. And other people will have the expectation of, I really want to spend you know, 40% or 30% of my time with other people. And you're going to have to deal with that. So that's something to think about here. And that balance is not only 
balancing these two areas of your life for yourself, but how balanced each of them are for your significant other and you. So internal and external balance with your partner or partners. And again, to to connect it back to the values thing is that that's why it's important to think about these things because the way that we value work or play or work-life balance in general and having a partner who shares some of those values or at least understands us and can respect us even when we're different is really, really huge for a partnership to continue. Yes. And balance is also re- related to finding equal or relatively equal levels of both commitment and effort. So, of course, you know, there's a situation where there may be one partner who alleges to be putting in more time and energy than the other person, which may be the case. And much of this is down to the perceived value of the partnership venture and the time and resources available. So a good exploration of the value of the partnership, the return on investment, commitment, resource requirements at the start, that's going to inform an agreement that clearly sets out to identify what's the effort required of each partner to make, in this case, the business work. But again, there's so many overlaps with romantic relationships as well, because this shows up often as emotional labor or as invisible household labor or the mental planning, mental load management labor. And things like that, you know, it often, you know, specifically management labor, mental labor, Jace talked about kind of the project management labor at the beginning of the episode. Those are the things that are often highly respected in business, but it's often undervalued in romantic relationships. It reminds me of, there's a really famous comic floating around out there by a French artist. And again, I don't have the name in front of me, but where she kind of lays out the fact that traditionally for a lot of women in traditional heterosexual relationships, married with kids, women are often expected to take on this project management role, right? Of Mm -hmm. managing the kids' schedule, the cleaning schedule, the cooking schedule. And project management is its own role in the business world, right? You know, you hire a project manager where that's the only thing that that person does. They don't also do the project. They don't also execute on the project because it's a lot of labor in and of itself just to manage the project. And yet, traditionally, women are expected to both be the project manager, you know, keep all the schedules and the executor of all those things at the same time. And hence, it leads to a lot of women just feeling completely depleted all the time. Mm -hmm. And so that is a really interesting thing is that it's, you know, in business, we're much more careful about seeing that delineation and seeing how much labor certain things take. But then when it comes to the household, that tends to fall apart. So that's why it is really important to talk about these things with a partner and to be very specific as well. Because like we said, a lot of this can become invisible and completely not thought about. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there even talking about things like mental load or mental labor because it it can't really be seen. And it's for some reason we can quantify it in business, but we have a harder time quantifying it in a household or in a romantic like nesting partnership. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that stood out to me in reading a lot of this stuff about business partnerships of just how in the business world because I feel like in the business world, there's less of this sense that you can take for granted the work that anyone else in the business is doing or the role of any particular person in it in a way that I think we are taught, you know, whether it falls down those kind of traditional gender roles like Dedeker was just describing or just anything else about like, well, I expect that any partner will do X, Y, and Z and that they'll do it in these amounts that what I 
really found interesting was reading about this, where in business, you don't take as many of those things for granted. And so you do think about them more consciously. And I think that's a really valuable thing that we could bring into romantic relationships. Absolutely. All right, are we ready for the big C? Yeah. Big C. Big C. Okay, communication. Communication. Our favorite. Yes, love it. Now, again, this same thing in reading about this, what I love about, and I recommend this to, to all of you out there, you know, look up stuff about business communication, things like that. Business communication is generally explained as if we have no communication skills at all. It's like they, they really take it down to this really base level of try, you know, saying thank you or like being nice to someone when you ask them to do so. It's like so basic. Wow. <laughs> Just like, really? Really? But I, I actually really like that about it, that I think that, again, we take a lot of that communication for granted, which is where the whole idea of, you know, yeah. the one of the questions that we will get when it comes to something like radar as a regular check-in is this like, well, can't you just talk about things like a normal person as they come up? And one... You can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> well, I don't know about I'm that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, one is that is that you can, but there's kind of this assumption that just that communication is enough and it's going to be as effective and it's that's all you'll need and that there's no benefit to being intentional about it. And then again, if you thought about, can you imagine a business guidebook saying, yeah, so for your business partnership, just kind of, you know, talk about it when it comes up. No big deal. You know, you don't need to take notes or anything. Just kind of talk, talk about things as they come up. No business person's going to recommend that business model for mm. you. Mm. So one of the first categories here is specifically clarity of communication and also a willingness to communicate about challenging topics in a clear way. And so this comes up with things like agreements, talks about what happens if those agreements aren't upheld, which I think often is this kind of dot, dot, dot in relationships of kind of, well, mm. we agree we're going to do this dot, dot, dot with no kind of sense of what happens then? What what does this mean for us? What, how how serious are these? How negotiable are these? What's the process for changing them? You know, that we just kind of assume we don't need to talk about that. And also, I guess that, just this idea that the communication, that these agreements can change over time. And in business, this can be a little different because you have contracts, as we talked about at the beginning, that kind of assume things are a little more static. But actually something that for those of you, you know, contract lawyers out there uh, are probably already aware of this, but actually in contract law, most of us are taught to think of it as this kind of ironclad thing that never changes and that's never negotiable. But actually contracts are written intentionally to have certain amounts of non-precision, like certain use certain terms that are not set in stone about exactly what they mean, specifically because you can't you can't interpret every single thing that's going to happen and that that's then the job of you know mediation or or courts or whatever to then look at has this actually violated what this is saying rather than trying to spell out every single little detail hmm. and then also just going along with that clarity and also being open to talk about those uncomfortable things this one tends to come up with money both in business partnerships and romantic relationships that this it's yeah. one of the leading causes of divorce is arguments about money 
And it's also something that many of us are hesitant to really talk openly and clearly and transparently about with our partners. And so it's just, again, both in, in business partnerships, being able to talk about those uncomfortable things is, is really important. And that applies in romantic relationships as well. This is something that upon reading this, I was like, wait a minute, we haven't really discussed this, but maybe it is an interesting thing to get into. And that's an exit clause. So things like what happens to intellectual property, to profits, to debts, to maybe clients you have, if that's the kind of business that you are involved in, uh, other considerations in the event of or when the partnership venture ceases. So this is really interesting because, you know, it's difficult to have a contingency plan for absolutely everything, but a lot of people will have prenups in their marriages, and it's precisely for this reason. It's a question of, hey, you know, what are what's going to happen from a monetary standpoint if this does end? And I think in partnerships that are business partnerships, for sure, this is something to think about because, like those statistics say... A lot of a lot of businesses fail. A lot of businesses end for whatever reason. So it's good to at least like have that in mind, a contingency plan in case. And of course, I think on the show we do often encourage people in relationship think about the end. You know, you can create the beginning with the end in mind, which is so hard because it's not like a fun thought experiment, really. (laughs) It's not something anyone really wants to sit down and talk to their partner about. But both if you're getting in a situation where you are choosing to get more entangled with someone, maybe choosing to get married, choosing to have kids, choosing to open a business, choosing to move in together, choosing to buy a house together, that that's crucial to think about that of, okay, what if someone leaves the relationship? What if someone dies? God forbid. Or even what if it's just someone's not interested in the house anymore? What if someone's just not interested Hmm. in the business anymore? What's going to happen then? You know, this doesn't even apply. It doesn't even necessarily have to always be about what if we break up, but it can just be about what if the living situation isn't working anymore? How is that going to go? How are we going to unentangle that? Is that going to automatically cause some major fallout in our relationship? Like these are some really, really important questions to ask. I always love recommending a particular TED Talk by her name is Jeannie Suk Gerson. She's a divorce lawyer. And the TED Talk is titled How Understanding Divorce Can Help Your Marriage. And Hmm. it's a 10-minute TED Talk. And it has been stuck in my brain for years now because it's so, so, so insightful for asking these really important and also tough questions about shared property, shared space, how we feel about the sacrifices that we each made in the relationship. You know, really, really deep, sometimes challenging stuff, but I think really, really important. So I really recommend everyone go out and listen to that TED Talk. I know something that the three of us talk about sometimes is like, well, this week I am working really hard or that week I'm doing a bunch of stuff. And I think, yeah, sometimes like it can cause resentment to come up a bit. And this is interesting just how sometimes things like that can fester, especially in romantic relationships over a long period of time. So it is, yeah, I love that you just said that, thinking about the sacrifices or you know, whatever you want to call it that one makes in in any type of relationship and sort of how that will manifest if it if it ends and what a person thinks that they should be compensated for in light in lieu of that. 
Yeah, and I think that it also, in looking at that in a romantic relationship, when we think about the end in terms of a divorce specifically, I think it then, I think kind of what that TED Talk is getting at is something we talked about in the previous section, which is all this kind of invisible work that can get done, or these sacrifices maybe you made in the hopes that then you'll get a chance to pursue your thing later. It's like, well, what if that doesn't happen? How long can that go before that happens? It kind of gets you thinking about those things in a more concrete way, like you'd be more likely to do in a business than a lot of us think in, in romantic relationships. Yeah. And finally, let's resolve issues quickly. When we have communication and when we have good communication and something comes up that is challenging, let's try to resolve it as quickly as possible. And things that you can do are, you know, we talked about it before, have a radar, have regular check-ins and set aside time for repair so that you don't end up with a backlog of resentment or unresolved conflicts. I think that's super important for whatever type of relationship you're in, just simply because I know for myself, like, I will let things fester. I will be like, well, it's easier to just not speak about it or keep it kind of under wraps or just like get over it or learn to live with it or whatever. But especially in business, that's that's super, super important to not let it fester because you're just going to, you know, potentially resent your business partners. And that's not a good thing at all. Yeah. And then finally, it's okay to break up. It's okay to end a business partnership. I was actually just having a conversation with a friend of mine just yesterday talking about this idea that that staying in a relationship that's not serving either of you isn't doing anyone a favor. And I think we often think of it that way of like, oh, well, I'm being nice or I'm doing this for them or like, this is the right thing to do or this is a good thing to do. And in reality, that's not serving either of you if if the relationship isn't working out. And, you know, whether it is or not, that's a more nuanced question and that's a little harder to think about. But just be aware of it. And for this, we have a couple quotes about this in business, but I think the same principles apply really well in romantic relationships. So this first one is from is from Patrick Hull, who wrote this on Forbes.com. Like any relationship, a business partnership holds a great deal of promise. However, sometimes it doesn't work out. That's all right. Don't stay in a business partnership if you believe it's no longer viable. I've learned that it's better to end the partnership and regroup than to force something that's not working. And we have one from Philip Thurston for Harvard Business Review. Although constructive solutions are far from easy to come by, I urge partners who have fallen out not to suffer along with the status quo. I see that as the most costly choice for their personal lives and for their businesses. So something to leave you with. It's okay to break up. It's okay to, you know, not suffer along the status quo, as Philip Thurston from Harvard <laughs> Business Review said. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be going on to record a bonus now where we're going to be talking about the seven C's of effective communication from an article on proofhub.com. And this, again, I think is a really cool way of breaking down communication in this very, very, very basic way for business people. Because like we said, that's kind of how a lot of business articles about communication are written, that I think is also a really neat glimpse into how we can apply those in our more personal relationships. We would also love to hear from all of you. 
Our Instagram question for this week is, have you ever been in business with a romantic partner? And we will leave that up to you to determine what counts as business in this context. But have you ever been in business with a romantic partner? We're going to be posting that on our Instagram story. So go check that out at Multiamory Podcast and let us know. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners about this episode is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our researcher for this episode is Dr. Kiana Nurse. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. Our full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.